I'm Gavin Scott, your host. Welcome to the Stay Outstanding podcast, the show that shares wisdom and gifts knowledge, motivates you to be your authentic self, influences you to fulfill your true potential, encourages you to take action, and inspires you to step into your greatness. Welcome back for another episode, everyone. I'm so grateful to have in the studio today, Dr. Jane Tornator, who is an author, coach, and therapist. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I got it right. I almost called you a psychiatrist. Are psychiatrists therapists? Good question. It's a great question. I guess it depends on the psychiatrist. I guess it does. <laughs> I guess it does. Um, you are the author of Everything Is Perfect, Just Not For Me. Uh, I really love that title because, you know, I find that in the journey of self-discovery, there is a lot of spirituality that comes into play. And at the moment, what I see is a lot of people using spirituality as a means to profit. And I don't think the two really go hand in hand. And so I call them fakes or phonies. So uh, I, I'm pleased you're not in that bracket. I already, I already know that. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> well, I mean, you, message uh, for me to be phony. <laughs> as a coach, you're always going through your own shit, right? So You've already gone through so much shit. That's what you're guiding people through. And you continue to go through your own shit because life isn't perfect, as you say. Um, so what are some of your strongest life lessons? Oh, my goodness. Do you have like 16 <laughs> gazillion hours, Gavin? Um, well, I, you know what? I researched earlier. The longest live stream podcast is 153 hours. So if you want to join me and beat that, I'll do it with you. That's great. Next year. Let's do it next year. <laughs> All right. I'll keep you to it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so some of my strongest, oh, gosh. You know, one of the things I say to myself and my clients every single day is I'm allowed to be human. Like, it's so, so funny. I, I can't remember if we talked about this yesterday, but um, in our, in our pre-call, but so many people work with me and think that I've got everything figured out because I'm a therapist and a coach and an author. So I got every, and I'm a PhD. So I got every, I'm like, Oh my goodness. No. So um, that's one of my greatest lessons is, and especially perfectionists, we think that everybody else can have faults. Everybody else can screw up sometimes, but us, no. Like I'll give you an example that just happened this week. So uh, I um, was talking to my partner and I said, oh, do this. And he just texted back saying, I'm just noticing that it might come across nicer if it were more of a, I forget what he said, but it was beautifully put. It was a, more of a suggestion versus it feels like a command. And I heard that and I went, oh no, I'm a terrible partner. I'm an awful communicator. Here I am being a therapist, teaching people how to communicate and I suck. Like literally I went to, I'm a bad person because I didn't do that text perfectly. So I texted back and said, um, 
can we have these talks in person versus by text? And so we did. And it was a very different experience because I said to him, you totally get to want what you want. And, and I love that you made that request. And because of my upbringing, I made that mean I'm a bad partner. And he's like, you do realize I wasn't saying that. I'm like, yes, my big person self realizes it. My little traumatized self went, oh no, I'm in danger. He's going to leave me because of this stupid text, right? So I don't allow myself to make mistakes because that's how I learned to be safe as a kid. But now I'm learning still, like I'm 60, almost 61, and I'm still getting this lesson deeper and deeper and deeper. I get to make mistakes. I even get to make people mad, right? Not on purpose, but sometimes I do. And I'm still lovable. And that's a lesson that I keep learning, that I get to make mistakes and I'm still lovable. I would give that to anybody else, right? Anybody else, absolutely, you're completely lovable and you screw up. But because I'm a perfectionist, oh no, but not me. So allowing myself to be human and helping my clients know, oh, you get to be human too, because everybody else is. So let's extend the same compassion to everybody, to us, that we extend to everybody else. Yeah, I love that. I, uh... When I talk to entrepreneurs, particularly about business coaching, I'm like, perfectionism is the art of procrastination. Yes. And uh, it's true to some degree in relationships. It's just delaying better communication. Yes, it is. Yeah. And the other lesson I think I'd like to share is one I learned as I was exiting, getting my PhD. I realized that even though I just spent a ton of years learning this stuff, I realized as I was leaving, because our department wasn't perfect, there was infighting, there were people in the marriage and family therapy program getting divorced, half the grad students were on anti-anxiety and anti like we were messed up, no more than anybody else, but I was thinking to myself, okay, so I just got a PhD learning about healthy families and communication and partnerships and stuff. And we're one of the best schools in the country. And we clearly have some issues going on. Like there was some infighting in the department and stuff. And I'm like, so that can't, this knowledge that I learned can't be the entire answer. And I really, it literally, as I was leaving the program, I'm like, well, I think maybe it might be time to tap into my own inner knowing, my own intuition. And that for me, is the spiritual knowing. I think that um, for me, spirituality is bringing in the highest good through my inner knowing, through what my body tells me, through I'm, I'm a kind of, my intuition comes through auditorily, like I hear my voice. And so I realized it's time to build up that because there's a whole lot of knowledge and, and, and intuitive knowing in me more connected to spirit than all the wonderful theories I learned. But that if I, if I use that along with all this knowledge I learned, it's gonna be a lot better for everybody. And so that's the other thing is, yeah, I got a PhD, but honestly, it was tapping into my own inner wisdom, you know, and tapping into source spirituality that actually made me a much wiser therapist, coach, and person, and partner, and family member. 
and friend and you know, <laughs> everything. <laughs> so this, this raises a real question for me. If you're coming from a place of uh, scarcity or victim mindset, how can you learn to trust your intuition? Oh, that's a great question, Gavin. So, and I have a, a little mini course on my website for just this thing because I didn't trust myself at first, right? I, like I couldn't trust any of my decisions. I literally had to ask at least five people for every big decision what they would do. And then I'd try to figure it out from what they said. So it was a long haul for me. But what I first started doing is um, trying little tiny non-important ways to test my intuition. Like I would go home, you know, it was at the end of grad school, I'd walk home and uh, I'd stop at a corner and I'd say, would it be my, for my highest good to go left, right, or straight? And then I would just, whichever way, like looked a little more appealing or a little more colorful or which if I heard left, I'd go left. So I'd try it on very small things like, would it be for my highest good? And I always do for my highest good. Because, you know, if it's for my highest good, it has to be for everybody's highest good. Because it's not for everybody's highest good. It can't be for my highest good. You know, it'd be for maybe better for me, but not for my highest good. So that's how I see it is. If it's for my highest good, by definition, everybody's highest good is included. Including mine, which perfectionists leave out our own highest good. But, so I did out in little things. Should would it be bet my highest good to have this apple or orange? Like nobody's going to be hurt if I eat the apple or the orange. No big thing. So I would just do this, test these little things, and nothing bad would happen. So I'd make it for bigger decisions, right? Would it be best to go grocery shopping after or before I vacuum? Would it be for my highest good to go out with these friends tonight? And so I'd just make decisions like that, and still nothing bad happened. And it's, gosh, over 25 years later. And I will say this. There are times when I didn't follow my intuition. Like I would ask, and I'm like, I want to do this other thing anyway. So I did. And sometimes it worked out just fine. Sometimes I'm like, like buying a car. My intuition told me to buy a very simple like Mazda. And I ended up getting a used uh, Acura Legend, mm -hmm. which turned out to be a... Um, time bomb. So that time I didn't trust my intuition and I was like, oh, that didn't work out. So, but what I can say is not once have I ever followed my intuition and regretted it. Like not once in 25 years. So now I make really like my last car. I went, would it be for my highest good to get a Subaru Crosstrek? Yes. So I have a Subaru Crosstrek. I love it. But I can make big decisions like that because over time, with the little decisions, I built my trust in my own intuition, my ability to tune in and feel what is actually true and good. So that's how I did it. <laughs> um, I love that. I remember, must be 10, 12 years ago now, I went to buy a car and uh, I left the town I was living in and went up to the city. It's like a three-hour journey. I wow. found a a recommended mechanic to come with me so I wasn't just getting, you know, scrupulously done over by the second-hand car salesman. And it's uh, like 8.30 in the morning and we go to this place and we see this, uh, it's a green Suzuki sidekick 
and we turn on the engine and we look at it and I love the color. The engine sounds great. And I'm like, this is strange. It's the first one we've seen and it feels too good to be true. And we went literally until four o'clock in the afternoon, all the way along the street, looking at loads and loads of other cars. And at four o'clock, we went back to that one and bought the green Suzuki sidekick. Awesome. Yeah. But I could have saved myself a whole day. You know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I remember one time I was, I decided I wanted to get a kitten and uh, the Humane Society here or back in Minnesota had a huge, like they have a kitten and puppy day where they save all the kittens and puppies for a while. And then everybody comes in and just, you have hundreds to choose from. And the, literally I beelined to the back of the room. I don't know why, but I beelined to the back of the room until I saw this little kitten and I went, that's my cat. So luckily I had friends with me and I said, could you hold this cat so nobody else can take this cat? And then I checked through all the other kittens many of which were actually honestly much cuter. But I looked at them all and went, none of them are my cat. So I went back to my, the first cat that I beat, like I was just like, I don't know why, but I'm just walking through this room. That was my cat. So it's the same kind of thing. Like when we, when we listen to our intuition, we can actually save ourselves a lot of time and trouble. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, gratitude. Yes. We should obviously be grateful for our intuition as opposed to saying, damn you intuition, but. I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> it got one over us again. It fooled us. Um, <laughs> gratitude is such a big, big part of, I think, self-actualization, self mastery, self-development, um, in all of those aspects. And I know in your book, you've got a chapter about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the practice, because everything is a practice ultimately. Yes. If somebody isn't grateful, but they're saying they're grateful, you know, they're, 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 they're doing an affirmation. Mm -hmm but it hasn't got any genuine sincerity behind it. They're just doing it because they've been told it's been proven yeah. and it'll be good. And, you know, the subconscious will eventually adopt it. And is that true? I will speak from my opinion. I cannot say the actual truth, but here's my experience with it. I used to hate affirmations. And gratitude used in that way is almost like an affirmation. I am grateful for, I am grateful for. It's like an affirmation trying to prove or trying to make ourselves feel this certain way. When I first learned affirmations, because I'm a perfectionist, I would say like, literally I was just out of grad school and I first learned about affirmations. And I said, I am, I am wealthy. Well, I had $50,000 in debt. I was working my first job after grad school. I was not wealthy. I was poor. I was in debt. I was like sending half, you know, a lot of my money off to pay off my debt. And so I said, I am wealth. I'm fabulously wealthy. And my whole body went liar. Like I literally <laughs> felt more tense saying it because there was nothing in me that could ping on to any of that is true. So what I finally discovered with the help of Dana Wilde and the book, Train Your Brain is when I say something, even whether it's about gratitude or something else I want to have more of in my life, 
I will, I will tweak it till it makes me feel just a little, um, what's the word? Like a little expanded, a little hopeful. It makes me feel good. So if I would have said, I want to be out of debt, I could totally get behind that. Or I want to have more money. I want to have more ease around money. I can say that till the day is done and I am happy with that. So it is about, so for people with gratitude, I'm grateful for this. If they don't really, if they say it and it lands flat, like it does nothing, there's no feeling behind it, or even worse, if it feels awful, mm. then play around with it to like, well, I want to feel gratitude for this. Yeah, I do. I actually do want to feel gratitude. So it, I'm a big fan of tweaking it till it feels good. If it feels good, it's working and shifting our neural pathways. If it doesn't feel good, we are literally repelling the thing we're trying to bring more of. That's interesting. That's law of attraction stuff right there. Yes. Um, repelling more of what, I mean, that's, it's funny because recently I've been doing these types of things and I know when I'm coming from a point of heart center i know when i'm coming from a point of alignment i know and some of it's not resonating right and then i'm like trying to force it and i'm like you haven't learned anything yet don't force it try again right. with love with kindness with yes. gratitude Beautiful. and i try again and if it doesn't resonate i'll drop it yes that's trusting your own inner knowing your own alignment that's Gavin. I think that's where our power really is coming into what is true for us. Cause there are six gazillion experts that are out there who want to tell us what is true for us. And we're like, and what they're really sharing is what's true for them. It may or may not work for us. Like I've taken many programs, spent a lot of money on some programs and I'm like, they don't work for me. They're awesome. They work for a whole bunch of other people, but they don't work for me. So I've just come to really try. Now I muscle test for my own um, inner wisdom to find out if I'm going to do a program. I muscle test to see my own version of muscle testing, but I see if it's for my highest good. I was going to say, do you get one of those instruments that doctors use and then try and tap your knee and see? If no, those don't work for me. Like I developed a way. Actually, do you want to do you want to do a quick demonstration? Sure. Okay, great. So the way, because I used to try to use pendulums and the whole muscle testing with your muscle strength and stuff. And I could tell I was gaming the system like pendulums. It, they would just go all squiggly on me and I would never get a clear answer. Muscle, muscle uh, strength. I could tell I was gaming it like, well, I really want this to be a yes. So it's going to be like, or I don't want the, like, so they weren't working for me. They work for many other people, but not for my psyche. So I came up with one where, um, or somebody told it to me, I can't remember, it was so long ago, I can't remember the, the origin, but I stand up with a, you know, hands at my side, loose legs, and then I will say, it is for my highest good to, and then whatever my option is. Um, everybody is different in how their body responds. When it's a yes for me, I lean forward. When it's a no, I lean backward. When it doesn't matter, my body doesn't move. 
So the way I help people, and this is that mini course goes into this a little more, but the way I help people is like, for instance, if you were to say, actually, can you stand now and try it? Sure. Okay, great. Um, so stand up and then say, my name is Gavin. And then just notice what your body does. My name is Gavin. And let your hands go loose. Say it again. My name is Gavin. And what's your body do? Resting. It's resting? Great. Now say, my name is Ralph. My name is Ralph. And what's your body doing? It's kind of uh, wobbling. Yeah, I know she did some wiggling. Thank you. Okay, great. So that's your yes and no. For your yes, it's your body just kind of relaxes and is still. For your no, it's like, not real. Like, it's not going to be still. It's like, Ugh, it's not, that's not right. For some people, they feel lighter for a yes. Some people, they feel more grounded for a yes. It's for everybody to find out what their body's yes and no is. And that's the right yes and no for them. For me, mine is always lean forward for yes and lean back for no. And so that's how I muscle test because it's worked for me for 25 years. And I'm sure there's some people it won't work for, but everybody I've taught it to so far, it does. So, but it's for everybody to find out what works for them. It's quite funny, you know, like uh, I think my style of coaching is unique. I guess that's uh, a silly thing to say because everybody's style is ultimately their own and therefore everybody's is unique. Uh, but what I mean is, is I'm not afraid to take prisoners. I'm not afraid to tell the truth. You know, yes. like if I see a way for somebody to get where they want quicker, then I will tell them. And yeah, hopefully, you know, I'm right. Uh, I'm normally 99.9% .9 right. That's not an official statistic, everyone. So don't uh -huh. catch me on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to see on other people not so easy to see on yourself yeah um but generally i, I i'm i know i'm right and uh some people have said to me you know particularly more on the therapist side that do you not think that you're depriving them of their journey of self-discovery because what i'm doing is i'm taking them from a to z quicker um you know and so I don't promise results, but I love it when I get transformational results for clients and when Absolutely. they, you know, feel that transformation and the success and the joy and the happiness and abundance that comes from all of that. Yeah. And so I'm not going to sit there and just be like, you know, allow my ego to go, oh, my God, why can't this person just put, you know, join the dots? Why can't they do it? Like. I'm going to help them join the dots for them. And if I have to be suggestive about it, I'm going to be. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's quite direct and quite unique. Um, I don't think many people do that, particularly on the therapist side, because I think therapists just sit there and listen and then, you know, clock out and clock in and whatnot, um, more so than a coach anyway. Um, what specifically, this is a great question, Jane. What specifically is the difference between a therapist and a coach? Oh, my goodness. That is a question, Gavin, I have been trying to figure out. 
I think like, like I read a, a coaching, my coach, when I said, I want to do more coaching. Do I need a certificate? Do I need to go through the whole program? She's like, Jane, read this book. It's the Bible for my program, which is like one of the first and best in the country. Read it and then we'll talk. And so I'm reading this book and I'm like, well, that's what I do. Well, that's what I do. Well, that's what I, so literally, except for having people set like five-year goals, which I hate. I don't like setting them. So I don't, if people want to set five-year goals, I'm not the best person for them. But so it really depends. And I think therapy is shifting a lot um, in the new things that are coming along the line to help us reach more into the unconscious to get some stuck stuff undone. But here's the best description I heard from a woman. I was on her podcast and she's both a therapist and a coach. And she said, for as a therapist, I'm a little less directive and I can work on diagnosable disorders. As a coach, I'm more directive and I don't work with diagnosable disorders. And I went, that is brilliant. That's the clearest explanation because many coaches do some therapy and many therapists do coaching. And I think they're more intertwined than either group really wants to admit. But it just, for me, whether it's a therapist or coach, the most important thing is, is it a fit? Am I a fit for my client? Is my client a fit for me? Like for you, if people don't want direct, you're not a good fit for them. If they want to direct, you are an excellent fit for them, right? Some people don't want to skip the things. They want to go all the way through. Well, I, I, I won't skip it. I'll just lay it out yeah. for them right there. Yeah. And some people, that's how they, like, I love going to workshops. They're just kind of, they blow me out of the water. Like, if I want to change, I want to change fast. That's how I like to do it. That's my personality. So, I'm I'm kind of with you. For me, I think the difference is, or at least the clearest definition I can see, is on one side you've got science and academia, on the other side you've got spirituality and experience and or wisdom, whatever you want to call it. And yes, both sides completely at times, you know, come together and there is no better. I, I guess for diagnosable behavioral uh, disorders, then, you know, therapy is definitely much more aligned with what their needs are. Absolutely. Um, and you want people who, especially now, people who are trained to deal with trauma. That's the biggest thing is um, if people are coming to people who can't, who don't understand trauma, we can actually create more trauma. Mm. So that's, if it's trauma, go see a therapist. If it's about expansion and transformation, a coach, if they're a good fit for you, is excellent for that, right? And they can also be excellent for therapy too. It just depends on the fit, except for trauma and diagnosable disorders. That's, I think, where I would safely draw the line. <laughs> I've got a great therapist story for you, if you will allow what? me a few minutes to share with you. Absolutely. So I've just... Uh... Well, I know my bankruptcy is coming. So my investors, uh, they didn't literally steal money from me, but they uh, were manipulative and immoral. Not, unfortunately, ah. not illegal. 
Yeah. Oh. Uh, anyway, so I'm going through all of this and I'm extremely stressed and, you know, trying to stop the boat from sinking, but it's already breached and water's in, you know. And I can't, can't get much sleep. And, you know, you can't make good decisions. You can't increase your energy. You can't do physical activity to, you know, there's so many things yeah. you can't do if you're not getting good sleep. And right. it doesn't even have to be good sleep, just, you know, something, five hours. Right, I know. <laughs> like, you know, two and a half, if you're lucky, isn't good enough in any capacity. Right. So I went to my GP and I said, I need some sleeping pills. He goes, what for? I said, this is what I'm experiencing. He goes, oh, I think you're going through depression. I'll only give you the prescription on the basis you go see the therapist. So I said, if it gets me the prescription, I'll go and see the therapist. Right. Yeah. So I get the prescription. Now I'm sleeping a little better. I go see the therapist a week later. Poor, poor lady. Oh. I walk in the room. She's like, okay, sit down. Thank you. This is, you know, my office, my, your space, our space. Uh, everything that you say here is safe. And, you know, I want you to feel open and be able to share with me. So what are you going through? And I looked at her and I said, let's cut the crap. All right. My doctor sent me here so I could get my sleeping pills. Uh -huh. He says, you've got the magic recipe. Give me the recipe and I'll get out of your face. And <laughs> well, I can tell you she was very polite. She was uh -huh. a lovely lady. She took it in her stride and she said, if you want to be discharged, I'll be discharging you. But just know it's of your own voluntary uh, making. And I was like, okay, great. And then obviously I left, but uh -huh. you know. What's the magic recipe? Give it to me. <laughs> I, wouldn't that be great? Oh, my God. Uh, somebody, when I started my practice, gave me a little wand. And so when clients say something like that, I'm like, oh, hold on. Wait, I got to get my magic wand out. Oh, here. <laughs> oh, it still doesn't work. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish there was something like that that was the, the magic recipe. But, you know, we are ready, as you know, like, Things don't come to us until we're ready to receive them, whether it's our own health, whether it's mindset shift, whether it's whatever it is that part of, and this is part of where I try to give myself a lot of grace because I move waste more slowly than I want to. Like I want to, I know I have a problem. I want to move through it now. And sometimes I just don't. And for me, it's like, oh, I'm just having a hard time. I wish I could move faster. Yeah, I do. And that, for some reason, that alone, I breathe more. My body softens. And so I can't fix the problem, but I'm a little less stressed with the problem here. So the process you've just gone through and you explained, can you relate that with uh, the feelings model that you talk about in your book? Oh, I love my feelings model. Thank you for asking about that. So um, feelings are what we learn to repress. And you're English, correct? I am. Yeah. I love England. Like when I go to England, I feel like I'm at home. But it's also not the land of, let's express our feelings freely, yay, right? I went, I went to see, I was over in England during the royal wedding, I think, the last, the last royal wedding. 
And I was sobbing because the, the priest was uh, talking about love. And I was like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. I'm sobbing. I'm looking around and everybody, I was in a tea house. Everybody was there watching the wedding and they were all like stone-faced. And I'm literally tears streaming by, down my eyes with the beauty of this love message. And they all look pained, actually. They look pained. And on the TV, they look pained. And I'm like, whoa, his message is not landing in this land. So England is a beautiful example of our feelings are here to be felt, but we learn to either repress them or feed them. Like repress them because we shouldn't be feeling that way. We're just dumb. Don't be angry. Don't be depressed. Just get over it. Come on, be an adult. Be a girl. Like, ugh, that awful message. Or we feed it with, of course I'm angry. Those people are being idiots. Anybody would be angry with how stupid they are. So we feed it versus just feeling it. Like the example I gave, I think in the book is, I came up with this model because a friend of mine was giving some, um, she was selling a massage package for half price if you got three. And I'm like, yay, I want to do that. Because I didn't, at the time, I didn't give myself massages very often. So I'm um, like, oh, I could help her. I could get more massages. I'll save money. It's great. And then I got one and it was awesome. But then I didn't get any more. I forgot. And then one day I'm sitting on my couch going, I wonder when that massage package is, is up. Because it was a six-month package. So I texted her and went, when's that up? She's like, next week. I'm like, crap. And I looked at my calendar and her calendar and I had, she had no openings when I had openings. So I was mad. And I was walking around going, well, Jane, you shouldn't have gotten a stupid package anyway. See, you don't, you don't get, you shouldn't have massages anyway. It was a waste of money. No, I didn't do anything wrong. I just didn't use it. Well, she shouldn't, she should have let me know it was almost up for six months. She, she shouldn't have even offered the stupid six months. It should be endless. Like I was doing all this, you know, like repressing and then, yeah, she's at fault. And then I would keep going, no, actually she's not at fault either. And I was like, what am I doing? And I realized I was angry that I wasted the money and I didn't get the massages. I was just angry, but I didn't want to feel it. Because in my family, when I was a kid, anger was bad. People got hurt when people got angry. So I repress it or I have to have a really good reason to feel it. So what I did is I sat down on my couch and I went, I'm angry. I'm just angry. I lost the money. Nobody's at fault. I'm just angry. So I literally felt how my body was feeling like, the feeling, like they're called feelings, right? They're not called repressings or how my body's literally physically feeling. And then five minutes later, I went, oh, well, don't do that again. Like when I just felt them, the feelings were done. There's um, a woman who wrote a book, Whole Brain Living, Jill Bolte-Taylor. It is a brilliant book, brilliant for any brain geeks. And she said that, and she's, other researchers said this too, that our, our body's neurochemical response to, to stress, trauma, even a negative thought, if we just feel it, is done within 90 seconds. I've also read some research that says two minutes. So literally, if we just feel what's happening, we don't repress it, we don't feed it, our body is done in 90 to, seconds to two minutes. That's how we're built. If we don't get in the way, that's what naturally happens. So everybody's like, oh no, if I feel grief or anger, they're going to take over. I'm never going to be done with grief. Like everybody says, if no, if I give into it, 
uh, it will never end. And one thing I say ad nauseum is no feeling in the history of the world has ever lasted forever. Like, have any of your feelings lasted forever? Feelings, no. What? I didn't. Feelings, no. Exactly. Thoughts can go on and on and on and on, right? But we often feed them or repress them with our thoughts. So we know we are just feeling and letting them pass through if we have no thoughts. If we have thoughts, we are repressing or feeding them. If we are just physically feeling, we are releasing them and letting them do their job that they were built in our bodies to do. That's my that. feelings model. I really love that. It was, it was such a eye-opening, jaw-inspiring moment for me. Right. Um, I highly recommend the book, guys. So uh, do reach out to Jane. Uh, Jane, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, my website is everydaylove.me. The, uh, they can find my, if they want to know more about um, learning how to trust themselves and their intuition, it's everydaylove.me. And then there's a button that says course or mini course. It says course. And you can click on that and uh, give your email and I'll send you the videos. Uh, and the book is on Amazon. Everything is perfect. Just not me. A roadmap to self-acceptance. Love that. Um, a roadmap to self-acceptance. If, yeah. if there's something that we should all be doing, it should be self-accepting of each other and ourselves. Yeah. Can you imagine how better the world would be, Gavin? Can you imagine? Huge. Huge. Oh, different world. It'd be a Huge. different world. Yeah. yeah. I do agree. Uh, one final question for you today, Jane. What does yes. stay outstanding mean to you? What does stay outstanding mean to me? Oh, what a great question. I think for me, the more I know and allow and accept and love myself, the more I receive like my gifts and my power and the influence I can have on the world. So the more I know and allow and accept myself, the more I, and I've seen it again and again, the more I positively influence the people around me and, you know, my little parts of the world. So that is what stay outstanding means to me. What's it mean to you? We don't really have much time, uh, but oh, okay. effectively it's, for me, it was about the echocardiogram of life. So the peaks and troughs that we go through experiencing, and we've got a scale of zero to a hundred. And if we can stay above the 70% line, then we'll be in a higher vibration surfing through life. Awesome. And very briefly, that's what it means to me. Beautiful. And that feeling, that gratitude will keep us up in that. In that Absolutely. Um, it's been wonderful having you on the show today. I love your passion and your energy. Thanks so much. Thank you, Gavin. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the content and got any value, please do like it, rate it, follow, subscribe, and leave a comment. You'll find us across all the social media channels, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. It's been my privilege to host you today. I'm Gavin Scott. Until next time, stay outstanding. <laughs>